come into uh, fellowship here and extend the right hand of fellowship, fellowship at the end of the service. Good morning. Wasn't that exciting? It should be, yes. It should be exciting seeing people come to Christ, following believers' baptism. That's just an exciting day for the life of a church. So let's turn to our Bibles to Mark chapter 4 this morning. Mark chapter 4. We are going through the book of Mark, so if you're visiting with us, we are so glad you are here. The title of our message today is, What God Thinks is All That Should Matter. What God Thinks is All That Should Matter. Kind of recap what we've learned so far in the book of Mark. Mark, of course, is one of the four Gospels. If you remember a few weeks ago, we talked about this idea that the Gospels are Three, four camera perspectives of Jesus. If you're looking at ca- camera lenses or angles, it's looking at Jesus from four different perspectives, giving us a big and beautiful picture of who this Jesus is that is our Savior. Remember, Mark paints the picture of Jesus being the lowly, suffering servant. Remember the, the, the theme verse, I believe, for Mark is Mark 10, 45, which J- Jesus says, I've come not to be served, but to serve and give my life a ransom for many. Remember, the word immediately was found 40 times. It's found 40 times in the book of Mark. He said, what is significant to that? Well, it's significant because that immediately shows us that Jesus was here on earth for the purpose of serving, and he was doing it quickly. He was doing it quickly. If you remember in Mark chapter 1, after he was done healing and healing um, Peter's mother-in-law and healing the town and, and preaching in the synagogue, he went away for some time. His disciples came to get him. He goes, it's, it's time to go to the next town. He was busy about ministry. And it, was, it was a picture for us as believers to have that purpose of following Jesus and serving him with our being. So as we get into Mark chapter 4, this is the parable of the sower. But before we do that, a parable, we'll talk about what that is, but we need someone who's a good communicator to, for us to understand what a parable is. Someone who's a good storyteller, all right? You guys will enjoy good storytellers. Unlike this individual, a man went into the doctor and was, went to this, the front desk and says, I have shingles. So the, 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 the receptionist says, okay, just hold on for a few moments. We'll get, get you back there. So he sits and waits. The, the receptionist calls him back. Nurse comes in. So what's the problem? I have shingles. Okay, the doctor will be in a few moments. So a few moments later, the doctor came in and says, well, where are your shingles? He says, they're out in, the, they're out in that pickup truck. He wasn't a good communicator. He should have said that right from the beginning. The, lady, the doctor's office is like, what in the world is going on? I had a Bible professor at Lancaster Bible College. That book called, his name was Dr. Fairman. And I went through the book of Acts. In Bible college, you take a lot of Bible courses, hence the title Lancaster Bible College. Or as some people call it, Lancaster Bridal College. Some people find their, their mates there. Um, Dr. Fairman was an amazing teacher, and so I remember would go early to class, I would stay after and talk with him. Why? Because he brought to life the early church, and I was just so enthralled of what he, how he would say it, and I really understood it, unlike other professors that I would fall asleep on after lunch sitting in a theology class, which probably many of us have fallen asleep in class, haven't we? Yes, you're lying if you said you didn't. But Jesus here in Mark chapter 4, begins his 
storytelling. A parable. There are 48 parables in the New Testament. And that word parable, all it means here is this. It's a word, it's a word that means to cast alongside of something to convey spiritual truth. To cast alongside of something to show spiritual truth. You see, Jesus constantly taught the people rich analogies and examples that they could understand. Jesus didn't speak in heady or deep theological terms. I'm, I'm not saying that theologi- theology and doctrine is important. It's how we convey it. If we speak in this academic language, in this vernacular, we are going to lose our audience. Teaching and preaching can be easily just bypassed of just, okay, yeah, I understand that. I'm not going to pay attention anymore. You are boring. And then you leave here not change because you associate Bible teaching to being boring. And we don't want that to ever happen. A third of Jesus' teaching was done in parables. So do you think that Jesus wanted his followers to know what he was talking about when it came to kingdom living? Sure he did. In fact, you'll see two times in this particular chapter, you'll hear the words, let him who has ears, let him here. In our vernacular, it means, hey, listen, listen up. Pay attention to what I'm going to say here. In fact, actually, ancient rabbinical teaching followed the pattern of Jesus. When you, when you would listen to a rabbi, he would teach. A third of his message would be parables, application. And so, not only do we see parables or storytelling in the New Testament, God used it in the Old Testament to proclaim spiritual truth. 2 Samuel chapter 12 is the story of David being exposed in his sin. And what God did is God used prophet Nathan to do this. Went to King David. David, I, ha- I have a story for you. I need, I need help on. There were two men. Rich man who had many flocks, many sheep, and a poor man who could afford one sheep. In fact, that man kept that sheep. His kids played with that sheep. He fed that sheep. He actually would let that sheep sleep in his bosom at night. He loved that sheep. So the day came to where this rich man received guests at his house. And so he wanted to prepare a meal for his guests. But instead of choosing from the hundreds of sheep he had in his flock, he went to the poor man and he took the sheep from the poor man and he killed it and prepared it as food too for his guests. Well, we know what David's reaction was. He says, that man should surely die. Well, we know King of the prophet Nathan said, well, David, you are that man. That story used by prophet Nathan was to show him, David, where he was in his sin. And so the scripture is full of parables and illustrations that bring people to a spiritual truth. So, let me try something here this morning. If you could all, if you can, stand with me with your Bibles. Could you do that for me? Just, just real quick. If I was to sit down like this, okay? This is how people would learn in the synagogue. The rabbi would sit and the attenders would stand. I can get used to this. You can be seated. This is the picture I want us to see with Jesus this morning. So put, put that in your mind. Put that in your mind. But see, as, we conv- as Jesus conveys spiritual truth, 
Let me ask you this question. As you learn how to share Jesus with people and communicate gospel truth to people, how are we doing it? How can you relate to a young person? Again, you're not changing truth. You're not changing God's word, but how you relate. Jesus did this through his ministry. In fact, I was asked, the Williams asked me to come back at their children's ministry on Wednesday night and speak to the kids about worship. I sang a couple songs with them, and if I had asked them if they were in here, I had to get their attention. Because you have like 20, 30 young kids just running around like crazy glue snippers. It is not a fun time, okay? And so I brought back with me an American Girl doll. All the girls were like, ah, and all the guys were like, yuck, that's nasty, right? Which is a good thing for a guy to say about a doll, all right? And then for, uh, for the boys, I brought back a Nintendo Switch. And they were like, that is so awesome. Right. What did I do? I got their attention. Got their attention. And we pulled some biblical truths out of the story in which we were talking about. But how are we going to connect people to truth in your neck of the woods, in your job, in your community? How are we communicating the gospel to people? So this morning... We see Jesus connecting with these followers, these listeners. The parable of the sower, Mark 1. Let's start in verse 1. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him. So he got into the boat and sat in on the sea, and the whole crowd was behind the sea on the land. And as I just shared an illustration this morning, he sat in his boat, the people stood and listened to him preach. The second thing that this particular story tells us, too, is that he pushed himself off into the boat a little bit farther away from shore to give him some space. But as a musician, a guy who understands a little bit about sound, it gave amplification off the water for his followers to heal. I mean, pictures never do the teaching of Jesus justice. There were probably hundreds of people there listening to Jesus. This man was followed. People wanted to know who this guy was. But the next several verses take, gives us another glimpse of how much Jesus wanted to connect with people. What occupation was Jesus referring to in the parable of the sower? Farming. History tells us that 90% of the individuals living during this time were farmers. So do you think that Jesus used the right parable to talk with these individuals? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we see here in Mark chapter 4, 2 through 9, let's read what this parable is about. Again, he's telling a story. You see him sitting there in the boat. He's pushed off off the shore a little bit, and they're standing there. They're listening to him and what he had to say about kingdom living. Verse 2, let's begin. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. All the farmer's ears perk up. Okay, okay I, I get this. I understand this. Some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell into good soil and produced again, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears, let him hear. So if you're a farmer, you are understanding, okay, where is he, where is he going with this? I understand about sowing and seeds and ground. 
But the one thing I would love to ask about this sower, was this, was this sower angry? Look where the seed fell. He's like just throwing seed everywhere. Like, yeah, bro, throw it over there. Or was he drunk? I mean, he's just like throwing seed. I, you know, we have a garden that sits over here by the parsonage, and we plan out where things are going to go. Right, Lou? That's what you do. All right, well, I just don't, okay, I'm going to throw the tomatoes. I'm going to throw the peppers. Yeah, whatever. This is a really interesting how the sower was just like, boom, whatever. We under, understand here there's three things that Jesus wants us to see here in this story. The sower is Jesus Christ, represents Jesus Christ, also can represent us as Christians who cast seed in our lives to individuals that are going to take it different ways. And third is the soil. The soil represents the heart of an individual which the seed would fall into. The focus point of the story is not the sower. It is not the seed. I believe Jesus is trying to tell in this story the importance is, okay, where does the seed land? It is the heart of the individual which receives the truth. That is the focal point of this parable. Now we can read this parable and do two things. We can take inventory and read and say, yep, you know what? Where's my heart? How do I receive truth? Have I been ignoring truth? Have I been kind of scrutinizing truth? And that's a good interpretation. We need to look, okay, how is my heart? How am I handling things of the Word of God? If you're here today, you don't know Christ. Have you experienced opportunities where people were talking to you about spiritual things or having God conversations and you just kind of ignored it and walked away from it? What are you doing with the Word of God, the truth that comes into our heart? Or we could judge people, which we don't want to do. Well, I wonder what kind of fruit you have. Well, I wonder where your heart's at. And that's not what we want to do. We need to take evaluation of our own life and our own heart. So there's one word I want us to think about today as we leave here. As we go through this parable, what Jesus was trying to accomplish in his teaching. And that's the word fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. What qualities, what characteristics, what virtues do we know? Just think this past week, did your life look like Jesus' life in the way that you acted, in the way that you responded to people? He tells us if we are going to be fruitful, we will abide in him. I love what John says in John 15, 8. He says this, but this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Ask yourselves this question this morning. Are you bearing fruit? If you are bearing fruit, you are proving yourself to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus. He continues on in verses 9 and 10 there in John 15. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. That word abide there is the word that's connecting to his love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So today I want you as you leave here, think fruitfulness. How can we be more fruitful in our walk with God? So let's see how Jesus responds. He told the story of the sower throwing seeds in the different soils. How does Jesus respond to his disciples and his followers? Look at verse 13. He said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? He's like, listen, you don't get this? You don't get this at all? So he has to go through and explain now what each of these soils mean. So let's look at verse 14. The sower sows the word, and there are the ones, and there are the ones along the path that the, world, the word is sown. When they hear it, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown 
in them. The first soil we see today is the seed that fell along the wayside. The seed that fell along the wayside. Satan comes, takes that seed in which never had a chance to penetrate the heart. Never had a chance to grow. I think Luke really gives a more detailed description in Luke chapter 8 verse 12 he talks about this parable he says this verse 12 the ones along the path are those who have heard then the devil comes along and takes away the word from the heart so that they may not believe and be saved I'd like just to talk to two groups of people this morning first group are those individuals that don't know Jesus you don't consider yourself religious you're not a Christian and that's okay we want you to be a Christian we want you to follow Christ maybe I'm talking to you maybe you're watching online this morning Satan will keep you from hearing the truth. Satan will keep you from listening to the truth, hearing the truth, being around the truth. Anytime in your life where a spiritual conversation may begin, or a God conversation, or something about church, Satan is going to try to distract you from hearing anything about God. If you're here today or you're listening today and that happens, ignore that. Because God is calling you. And he is using people around you that want you to hear the truth and to know the truth and to have a testimony as these two individuals did this morning that their life was changed because they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So a believer, if you're always, and there's maybe opportunity where people have conversation with you and it seems like there's always a, a distraction or something happening, that is Satan. Satan doesn't want you to hear the truth. Satan doesn't want you to be anywhere near Christ. I trust that you would push through that and hear the call of God. I think the second group of people are believers. We can see in this particular verse of the seed, Satan wants us to stop living in the truth. Satan wants us to ignore the truth. Even though we are saved, we're believers, many Christian individuals have walked away and and let the truth on this side. Yeah, I believe the truth when it fits my narrative or my life. So with that being said, today I would like for us to look at four hindrances I believe Satan has for us not to be fruitful. Four hindrances this morning. Our first hindrance comes from verses 14 and 15, and that is Satan's deceptive plan. Satan has a plan. It's going to hinder us from being fruitful. See, Satan seeks to destroy any truth or good that comes from God, and we know that in our life. That has been his goal since his his beginning. When he fell from heaven in Genesis chapter 3, His whole plan was what? To question the truth of God. And we see that in the Garden of Eden. Did God truly say that you were going to? Did God really question God's truth? And for the past 7,000 years, you think about your life. Anything that's good or right or pure, Satan is questioning, isn't he? Satan is always trying to blind the unbelievers. Paul told the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he said this, In the case of the God of this world, that means Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers and to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. This is what Satan wants to do. He does not want truth to be known. And he's doing anything he can for us not to hear it. Satan discourages us. He tempts us. He lies to us. He accuses us. It tells us in Revelation chapter 12, at this very moment, he is standing before God, making accusation to the brethren. Ah, did you see what they did? Hey, did you see what she did? They're they're Christians? Whatever. 
accusing us of our sin. But aren't you glad there was one who paid the price for our sin? Who comes as our intercessor says, okay, that's enough, Satan. They're with me. They're with me. See, this is his plan, and this is always how it affects the fruitfulness as Christians. So what do we do? Well, Paul told the church in Ephesus to put on the whole armor of God. That's a daily procedure. And many times in our life, I found out that to be true, it's more than just daily. It's every hour at times. Putting on that armor of God. Where is his battleground? Again, that, that passage in Ephesians 6, you know, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the spirit, spiritual world that we can't see. Remember, church, Satan's battleground is, guess what? It's our minds, isn't it? Think about your life a minute. When you're doing good and you're following God and you're doing everything you want, you're reading his word, and what's Satan do? Hey, remember when you did this? Hey, you remember, you remember how you used to live your life? God doesn't love you. That's condemnation that is coming into our minds that messes with our minds and messes with how we live, doesn't it? But I love the verse in Romans chapter 8, 1 and 2. There is therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Church, we need to rejoice and celebrate with that. In fact, here's how Paul told the church to do this in chapter 10, verse 5. We will destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. When Satan tries to gain the battleground of our mind, brothers and sisters, church, here's what we need to do. Satan, not today. And we turn to God and say, God, help me. Fill our mind and meditate on his word, pray, memorize scripture. When that happens, James gives us the procedure, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and then what happens? He will flee. He will flee. Let's not let Satan complete his plan by deceiving us and taking the seed of truth away from us. As, as, as unbelievers, if you're here listening, you're not a believer. He wants to just distract you so you don't follow Christ and put your faith and trust in him. Our second soil this morning begins in verse 16. The sower drops seed in another type of soil. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves but endure it for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Jesus tells us here that the soil or the heart, that the word of truth falls on, it is accepted, it's done with joy. Remember when you got saved? Man, oh, this is amazing. Oh, I love Jesus. I love going to church. I love worshiping. I love serving God. It's, oh, wow. But sometimes some Christians, the first sign of tribulation or heartache or persecution they say, you know what, I, 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 can't, I can't live this way. Hebrews chapter 10 is a beautiful example of Christians being persecuted. And Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us not forsake the assembly of ourselves together. As a matter of some is. But get together all the more as we see the day approaching. Why were they being encouraged to get together? Because people were leaving the church. Not because of personal convictions or preferences. Because they were being killed or maybe they were being hunted down as Christians. And they said, we just can't take this. Persecution brings people to their knees in one of two ways. You either walk away from the faith or this is our second hindrance, persecution. 
persecution. Now we can read story after story of individuals in our past. Fox's Book of Martyrs, people have been, since, since the early church, being been murdered and beaten and dismembered. I mean, you can read all those stories. Our church supports the Voice of the Martyrs, a mission organization that protects, tries to protect the, 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 the persecuted church or Christians in other parts of the world. We can read those stories. We have been blessed here as a country to live, be able to live in freedom of religion. Amen? We are grateful you can worship whatever religion you want, and it's okay because we live in a free country. But we notice some, the tide is changing in our country, isn't it, in regards to pers- our personal religious freedom. I'm just going to list a few. And with things that have been in the news in the past several years, cake makers who were sued and lost their businesses because they were not making a cake because it went, the marriage they were making a cake for, wanted to be, that they wanted to make a cake for, went against the Word of God. Photographers who were sued and, and lost their business because they would not take a picture of a marriage that went and violated the words of Scripture. We know it to be true. We've read these things. Teachers, I know teachers right now in the violent school districts are struggling with having to teach LGBTQ transgender issues in the school. Persecution's coming. I know those four teachers are strong believers and they will make a stand for Christ. And they may lose their job and so be it. The Equality Act. We go through all these things that we're being told we have to do this or else. Of course, the one we talk on a lot, abortion, which is just a cutesy term for murdering babies, because that's all it is. But Christians have got to stand up for these things that we've learned the past two years with the whole mandate of COVID and shutting the churches down. And as we said before, Faith Bible Church will never shut its doors again for that. Because we are to meet and gather together as brothers and sisters to worship and to get to know our God and Savior. See, these issues are efforts to discredit Christians, and it allows us not to be fruitful. We worry about those things. But church, we need to be courageous. We need to be bold. We need to live, and we need to think biblically. And I'm going to just put this in here Right now, we do not get political. Because we have an election coming up here in November in our, our local state government, and I, we, we, don't, we don't get involved with this. What we do say, though, and Christians, you need and you must understand this. We must vote biblically. You've got to vote biblically. But, but I was raised this party. I don't care. What does the Bible say? And that's how we vote. I'm not promoting any parties. Vote the Bible. That's all we ask. Vote the truth. Because if we don't, we will see persecution. But as Pastor Frank and I have talked, maybe that's what we need. That separates the men from the boys. Persecution. As Jesus is sharing here in this parable. Don't let persecution stray you from the truth. We need to be fruitful Christians. And even through, even through persecution, can we be fruitful? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, the third soil is the seed sown on thorny ground. Verse 18, and others are the ones among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Our third hindrance this morning is worldly desires. We have Satan's divisive plan to destroy us. Two, persecution will hinder us from being fruitful. Three, worldly desires. See, I believe Jesus is telling the folks here in this story about that thorny ground, the seed being choked out. It represents, I believe, the world and its philosophies, its desires, its narratives. Church, brother, church and brothers and sisters, don't get pulled into that. It will choke us out as followers of Jesus. We will not be fruitful if we're choked out with the worldly philosophy and we follow the worldly desires. What are some of those desires? Fame, money, materialism, cultural philosophy, you name it. There's probably many others we can list there. But I love what Paul told the Christians in Romans chapter 12. He says this in verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I love the J.B. Phillips translation. I, I, it says this. It says, do not let the world squeeze you out in its mold. I, I love that's a beautiful, I, I can, as a, as a kind of a, a moron at times, I look at that translation. Like, oh, I get it. Kind of, I'm kind of like the people Jesus was talking to. I don't understand. Oh, oh, now I get it. Do not let the world squeeze you into its mold. And that's what Jesus is, is telling here about the thorny ground. Don't let the thorns choke you out. Jesus is telling his followers, do not let the world control you. I, I love what Pastor Vodi Bochum says. He says this. Let me clear up something. God is not against you having things. He's against things having you. That's the one way to look at it. He's not against us having things. He's against things having you. Matthew said it this way in Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where's your heart today? Are you desiring those worldly things that control you? Well, that's the, the soil of the thorny. It will be choked out. The truth will be choked out. Your fruitfulness will be choked. You will not bear fruit when the world controls you. Let's look at the fourth soil, the final soil, the seed of the good soil, verse 20. And those that were sown on the good soil, the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold, our fourth and final hindrance is the lack of applying God's word. It's the lack of applying God's word. See, we can hear things. Oh, that sounds great, Pastor Jason. Pastor Frank, that was awesome. Great. Oh, yeah. Amen. Preach it. But once we walk out these doors, we forget it. We don't live it. What's the purpose of hearing a message? What's the purpose of digging in God's word and walking out and no change happens? James said it this way in James chapter 1, verses 22 and 24. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. If any man is a hearer and not a doer, what's he say? It's like a man looking at his face in the mirror and walking away and not doing anything about it. Now let me ask you a question, ladies. I'm sure you did some fixing of hair this morning when you looked in the mirror. Guys, not so much so. What's James saying here? Listen, it's like you looking into God's word and walking away. Yep, I look fine after getting up in the morning. Listen. 
We can listen to words. We can hear great messages, but how we respond when we leave these doors, that, that, my friend, is a question you have to answer for yourself. So you can see how his followers at this, mo- at this moment understand farming. They understand this, this, this sower, this parable, and the seed, and the thorns, and the rocky soil, and the good soil. And, and many preachers will, will end here, okay, amen, walk away, okay, good, okay, you, got, you, got, you figured it out. But that's not where Jesus ends at this story. So you guys just hang with me for another four or five minutes. Is that okay? All right, good. It doesn't matter you're sitting here anyway, so i got to talk, right? Let's look at verse 21 through 25. So Jesus is saying, listen, it falls, the seed falls on good soil, so you can be fruitful. You can grow. So how, what does that look like? Well, Jesus tells us what this looks like in verse 21 through 25. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears, let him hear. I believe Jesus here is talking to us here. He's saying, listen, he's looking at these, these individuals who understand light. And there's a, there's a picture of an ancient lamp. And understanding in that culture, the higher the light, the more light is dispersed in the room. And so he's given this illustration here. Listen, you don't put a, a lamp in a basket. That's that's stupid. That's, why would you do that? That defeats the purpose. Jesus is saying here, listen, if you are truly going to live for me and be fruitful for me, and that seed's going to fall on good soil, and you're going to live for me, you've got to share it, and you've got to live it as light. Let your light shine, he says. We're not to keep this light to ourselves. We're not to keep this truth to ourselves. What are we to do? We're to let it shine. We're to live it at our jobs, in our communities, in our schools, in our families. But he doesn't stop there. Look at verse 26. Now he goes back to farming. So he's given these illustrations. I would love to sit, just hear Jesus talking. He's just looking at people. He's saying, this this will connect with them. This will connect with them. Now he goes to sowing again. Look what he says there in verse 26. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. But the earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the grain, full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. What's Jesus saying here? Guess what? He is the one that brings the produce. We don't. We just sow. We plant. We water. See, I grew up in a, in a, in a very, very a strict Baptist church growing up, and we always had this idea that, hey, who did you get saved? What? <laughs> who did you share? Who, you had to have these, have these cards. Hey, I witnessed this. He got saved. No, that's not our job. We don't save people. God saves people. Our job is to what? As Jesus is saying here, listen, that seed's planted. Now you go be light. Don't worry about how it's going to grow. I'll take care of that. Like in my garden, I, I, I can't tell you how a pepper or a tomato grows. I put it in the ground. I come out a couple days. If the groundhogs don't eat them, then it's, it's all good to go. Right? I couldn't tell you how everything works scientifically, but I trust the process. We need to trust God with the process. We just need to be faithful in being light and letting God take care of the rest you may never know the effects of your witness, but it doesn't mean that we stop sharing and stop living the light. 
You may never know who's listening to a conversation you're having with someone that really God intended this person to have. You just heard a testimony. Kyle gave his testimony today. What was, what's one thing that rung out in my mind as he was saying? I was watching two guys at work. They were different. What are you doing? Sharing light. All of us can do that. You may never know the outcome of handing someone a life book that we hand those out here a lot for our community stuff. Oh, they're just going to throw it out. You know what? They may throw it on the ground to be picked up by someone God is prepping. We're just to be fruitful and to be faithful. And you may never know the effects or the impact by saying to that person you work with, hey, I'm praying for you. You may never know the impact that that will have in their life. But church, we're to be fruitful and we're to be faithful. God saves, God brings forth the produce. We just need to do our job and obey him and follow him. And he will take care of the rest. But he closes this chapter, and I promise we'll be out of here after this. Verses 30 to 34, he talks about this idea of the mustard seed. He goes back to this farming concept, this planting. And he said, with what we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it, he says, is like a grain of mustard seed, the smallest seed you can imagine if you understand anything about seeds, which when, when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than on any garden plant and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. What's Jesus saying here? Listen, you want to be someone that received the word of truth and is being fruitful by abiding in me. Now how you apply that, what that looks like, you're a light. You're scattering seed, and you're sharing, and you're watering, and you're planting. The kingdom of God is like this small. The church started out small. But because God's involved, and God saves people, this here is a mustard tree in the Middle East. Again, you can see the picture, the visual that these individuals were having when Jesus was telling this story. The kingdom of God is like that mustard tree where birds can even get up under and nest. That's how big the kingdom of God will be. And we look at the church 2,000 years later and look how big the body of Christ is because people are constantly sowing and planting and watering. And God is in the business of saving souls. And we can be excited about that. So church, as we close this morning, what will you do as you walk out these doors? You may take this message and say, that was really good, it's done very well, you preached very well, okay, great, awesome, you walk out these doors and nothing changes. Or you will look at this parable and see what Jesus was trying to share is, listen, first, if you're, if you're not saved, you don't know Jesus, come to Jesus. He wants, that seed, he wants to plant that seed in your heart. Don't ignore it. Put your faith and trust in him. He will change your life if you heard the testimonies this morning. But for, those, for us that are believers, we need to be fruitful and faithful to God by being that light. Not worrying about people's hearts. That's a God issue. But continue to pray and be faithful and God will bring forth the produce to make his kingdom grow and flourish in his time and his will. And guess what's great? We're all part of it. For us to know Jesus Christ, we are part of the process. He uses the likes of us at our jobs, 
and our schools and our community to be that light, to spread that seed, spread that truth. Will you do it when you leave here today? I hope so. I hope so. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all you've done for us. Heads bowed and eyes closed this morning as we close. Maybe if you're here today, I, I, we're, we're so glad you're here. We are. Uh, we are welcome you here at Faith, and we, uh, we trust that you enjoyed your time here. But one thing we just want you to understand, that the, 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 the best decision you could ever make in your life is putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You talk to anyone here. And maybe this message spoke to you, and, and you've been hearing God conversations. People have been talking to you about things of God and religion and church. And God's calling you. Don't turn your ear or your, your head to that. Face it and, and search out who this Jesus is and what he's come to do for you and your sin. Secondly, believers, I pray that we can be different and change when we walk out of this room today. For many of us who are raised in the church, we've been to probably hundreds and hundreds of church services, and we've been to church because we had to, but we're here to hear from God's Word and to walk out of here changed and different, that we're going to live differently for the kingdom. And I pray that we would really think about our work day tomorrow, our school day tomorrow, how will we live differently? How will we present the gospel differently? How will we live with our unbelieving friends differently so they see the light of Christ? Father, thank you for this day. Give us a great, great afternoon. And Lord, would you encourage us this week as we share the light of Christ in this dark and dying world. And we ask this in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. For those who are before air closes, for those that join the church, if you would follow me back to the foyer and we'll stand there and we'll let folks greet you as they're dismissed. And so everyone else, if you would please stand and we'll close with our closing song. Sing praise is rising. Praise is rising. Eyes are turning to We turn to Do it.